worshipers arise. Oh, let the sons and the daughters see. Yes, I'm
the bride rejoice in the same verse. Hallelujah. Oh, and Father, I see a bride rejoicing in a song of victory. Every chain of death is broken, and we have been set free. Satan's kingdom is defeated. Oh, let our worship bring praise to our Lord and glory to our King. Let the worshipers arise. Are you a worshiper this morning? Oh, let the sons and the daughters sing. Oh, yes, I'm. sons and the daughters sing, oh, I'm surrendering my all, oh, hallelujah, I surrender to the king, oh, let the worshipers arise, let the worshipers
Hallelujah. We have something to praise him about. Amen. He's a savior. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. I said, what a mighty God we serve. You serve a mighty God. You serve a mighty God. And we serve a mighty God. He's undefeatable. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Just a little testimony from yesterday. My, my wife and I decided we was going to go see my aunt. My Aunt Vera, many of you know we've been asking prayer for her. She's been in the hospital. She's had a massive stroke and not able to move anything on her right side. And the doctors are not giving her much hope. And I've been burdened more than her healing in her body. I've been concerned about where she's going to spend eternity. This lady has been very hard, very indifferent toward anything, any form of religion, and especially this church. And so I went over there, my wife and I, and we got there at 12 o'clock, and visiting hours were already over. They passed, and we just kind of went to the nurse, and she slipped us through the back. So we went in, and uh, we got to speak to her briefly. She's, she, she can't make anything out. You can hardly understand what she's saying, but she's very cognizant. She can understand exactly what you're saying. And I just looked at her, and it just she looks just like my grandmother looked when my grandmother was in that condition. And, and my heart just began to weep, and... And I told her, I said, Aunt Vera, I said, we've come three to four hours. I said, I'm sorry I hadn't got here any sooner, but I'm here. And I said, and I believe God can heal you. But I said, more importantly, I'm not concerned so much about your physical healing. I'm worried about your soul. I said, I've been so burdened about where are you going to spend an eternity? She said, Joe, I want to go to heaven. I said, there's only one way. I said, and Jesus Christ is that way. I said, but it's not difficult. It's not something that's hard. I said, all you got to simply do is say, Lord, I've been wrong. And she began to repeat, Lord, I've been wrong. I said, all you got to do is say, Jesus, I want you to come and live inside of me. And she said, Jesus, I want you to come. And I want you to live inside of me. And I said, and this is what you got to do. I said, give him your heart. She said, Jesus, I give you my heart. Right there in that hospital room when the devil's covered it up and said it's impossible. Too much has been said. Too much has been done. But the mighty God came down. He came down not only for, for the healing, but he came down for the saving of her soul. Let me tell you, that's more than anything. This was a hard case. It seemed impossible, but we serve a God, as I spoke to you Wednesday night. He's the God of impossibilities. Nothing is too hard for God. All things are possible for them that believe. Will you believe today, church? Every praise to our God.
Amen. I understand that one of the nieces went back into the room and said, you, when you get out, you ready to go back to the casino? She said, no, I'm going to that church. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I say we got a place. There's a place prepared. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. We don't have any written prayer requests. We do have Brother Craig that is out ministering this morning uh, down in Texas to a little church there. Amen. I want to remember him. How many would have a need you want to make known to the Lord today in your heart and your situation? Let's just bow our heads and go to prayer. Each and every one together as believers for the service. Why don't you just for a moment invite God to your, your seat, to your heart. Father, Lord, today we're so thankful and thrilled, Lord, to see that you're still redeeming, you're still moving, you're still saving. Lord, you're still healing, you're still satisfying the hungry heart and the thirsty soul. Father, we just want to bless your name this morning. As I read this morning with my family, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, my, what a God to serve. What a God to live for. What a God to, Lord, to just give our heart to. Father, we just ask this morning that you would take preeminence in this service and every life and every heart, every seat, Lord, that the angels of God would just go by each one, Lord, and may we be touched by you this morning, we pray. Father, we ask for Brother Craig that's ministering away, him and his family. We just ask you to be with them and give them a wonderful service today, Lord, or whatever's planned. And God, just ask that you'd move in the hearts of the believers there, Father. Lord, we're just asking that you would just bring an outpouring to every heart and every life today, Lord. God, that you'd renew, Lord, the heart that's been down and in the, in the deep valleys, Father. You lift up the spirits this morning. Renew us like eagles, Father, to be able to fly once again into the heavenlies. Father, we just ask that you anoint every part of this service, the speaking of the word, the receiving. Lord, we give this whole part to you, Father, and just say, have thy own will, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name for thy glory. Amen and amen. Why don't you just turn around, shake one of his hand, welcome each other to the house of the Lord. Amen. That's the brother say, we'll take up the offering. Amen. Let's just sing that chorus. He brought me out of the miry clay. Amen. My heart was distressed, beat Jehovah's red frown, and low in the pit where my sins dragged me down, I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay, who tenderly brought me out to gold. Bye. 
just thinking about this song this morning. And then Brother Brown and I saw that woman and said she was making a tavern out of this church. But come to find out, he just didn't have enough victory. Get enough victory, you'll shout, you'll sing. Seen the mountain of their sins just disappear. For anyone who's ever felt the hand of heaven reach down through their fear, oh, and dry their tears. For any life once empty that now finds itself alive and full of song, victory song. Then you'll understand the reason for the way the saints of God may carry on. So if I shout, no, I'm shouting from a heart that's been washed clean. And if I run, no, I'm running from a past that's been redeemed to the world. It might look crazy, but there's just no telling what we're going to do. Jesus gets a hold of you. For anyone who knows the hope that keeps him moving on through troubled days. For anyone who knows they've got a future and a hope beyond the grave. story how he led us out of darkness into light but there's no way to keep us silent every breath's another chance to testify oh to testify so if i shout no i'm shouting from a heart that's been washed clean and if i run no i'm running from a past that's been redeemed to the world, it might look crazy, but there's just no telling what we're gonna do. Oh, and in that moment, Jesus gets a hold of you. Oh, carry on now, my brother, carry on now, my sister.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, amen. The warning label's been read. Amen. Amen. There's <laughs> just no telling what we're going to do when Jesus gets a hold of us. Amen. What a wonderful God to serve and to give our all to. Amen. Amen. We'll have Sister Katie and Sister Rebecca, Sister Leah to bring their song. Amen. Let's just sing that. That song, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. Amen. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Oh, because He lives, all fear is gone.
Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Now, nothing but the blood. What can wash my sin? What can make me whole? Nothing but the blood. Hallelujah. Let's stand together this morning as we get ready for the word. Amen. You know, you operate the gift. If you have a need this morning, pull it out of it. Say, God, I have a need. I need you to speak to me. I need you to meet my heart. Amen. Let's sing this song. You will be my song. And you will be my song. You will be my praise. You will be my voice. When I'm lost for words to say.
say he's my song this morning amen he's a reason i can worship he's a reason i can sing he's a reason i can give him praise and the bible said and they sang a new song when the lamb took the book and opened the seals i'll tell you of church amen we're not singing our songs of bondage anymore of past slavery to sin we can sing a new song amen i love to tell how jesus saved my soul when i was lost and was facing dark despair but mortal tongue can never tell the whole. Nor thank you for such wondrous love and care. Oh, he is more. you today. He's the dearest friend that I have ever known. And it will change the whole eternity to thank him for the When I am sad, he brings me hope and cheer. He gives me grace whenever the way is rough. How could I? Still that way. 
our heads together. Lord Jesus, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness, your grace to us. And truly, Lord, our words are inadequate today to express our love for you. You're the dearest friend we ever knew. And Father, we want to be more dedicated, sincere, totally surrendered to you, Father. We want our lives under your hand. We want your grace upon us. us. Lord, you've heard the, the great songs we've sung to you today. Lord, as we've sung the victory that we have in Jesus, and we've sung about the blood, oh God, and the power of that blood. Now, Lord, it comes to the time of the word, and we ask that you would bless it and anoint it now to our hearts. Every need that you would supply, that you'd bring healing and deliverance to your children, Lord, whatever the need is, speak to them, we pray. There are those that have gathered here from the east to the west, and and they've gathered in this building today, and they have come, Lord, they come expecting to meet you, and I pray that you'll meet them in a very special way today. Lord, may this be a life-changing service for many with your Holy Spirit just dealing in hearts and lives, removing sin and unbelief, bringing healing of every disease and sickness because you're God that answers our prayer, and we thank you for it as we agree together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Good to be assembled together today. Thank you. We appreciate the wonderful songs today that we heard sung, the special songs, the worship to the Lord, the prayers, the testimonies. Ain't God good to us? Amen. Well, we've just been in heavenly places already. I want you to be turning to Numbers chapter 33. We'll start with the third verse. Just happy for each one that is here with us and uh, just having this time together. Last Last Sunday, we, uh, we spoke a, a marathon service. I don't plan to do that today uh, in the same way, but we do want the Lord to speak to us in a very, very special way, and I believe that He will. Amen. And so, if you'll just uh, join with me today as we read the Word and we prepare our hearts for the Word, may the Lord just minister exactly what we have need of today. I'm going to be speaking today from this Numbers 33 and this third verse, we'll read 3 and 4. I'm going to entitle this Passover Joy. Amen. Amen. Numbers 33, verse 3. And they departed from Ramesses in the first month, on the 15th day of the first month, on the morrow after the Passover The children of Israel went out with a high hand. That means it went triumphantly. In the sight of all the Egyptians, for the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them upon their gods. Also the Lord executed judgments. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We've been speaking about... um, the token, how that the blood was to be a token or a sign that was to be upon every house, upon every dwelling, and then bringing it right down to the individual, your dwelling. 
And we have been, we have, uh, we have been talking about how that there is death in the land today. And, and, of course, you can see the death angel coming in into every aspect of our society today. We see sin is abounding everywhere. Certainly, we can say death is in the land. I just uh, was made aware of this week of, and, and read an article of California lawmakers have just recently passed a measure that would be forcing pastors to embrace the LGBT theology. And of course, as you know, according to Revelation chapter 13, that, that the nation that rises up out of the land with no people, that's America, who come here with, for freedom of religion, rose up like a lamb, begins to speak like the dragon. And we must be ready for our exodus because in the tribulation, those that are left behind will be hunted down and slaughtered. And uh, you can see this in Revelation chapter 12 where that when, when the, the Antichrist cannot and the beast system cannot get uh, Israel, that 144,000 and, and the, the great plagues have been poured out upon it by the two witnesses that will be there, Moses and Elijah, that will bring the curses down on the earth as Moses did and as Elijah did. And then, and then of course, there will be that remnant of the church that he then turns its attention to. And you see that in the, the last couple of verses of Revelation chapter 11 where that, the, that there will be a great slaughter. And even now we know that in the spiritual realm that there is um, great slaughter that is actually going on. Churches are under attack and they're dying. We, it's, it's part of the age, it's the lukewarmness of Laodicea. There's a lethargy um, that has altered uh, and the lukewarmness has altered the mind of the people by dulling their senses. I shared with you last week of, a, of an article that I just read that there's going to be, uh, you know, every year that there are over seven, 8,000 churches that closes across America. And the greatest number of increases is in the none, the non-religious. And um, so that means that over 100 churches today will close, today will close across America to be left only as a skeleton of a building with no people. And even now, most of the youth are gone. They're uninterested in what they have to offer. And the church has turned to programs of all kinds of entertainment to be able to draw people to them. And it's not working. And it's not conversion either. It's still, it's still people that are, are just given a, an ear to the gospel but going on in their sins. And even we hear today of, uh, in our own ranks of you know, youth and adults are said to be in, in pornography and sex sins and watching ungodly movies and they've opened themselves up to demon possessions. Recently in our youth camp, as I told you, uh, and we've witnessed, uh, you know, uh, about 10 major demonic manifestations where we dealt with spirits that entered into people because of things that they looked in, right. because of things that they were viewing through the gate of the eye. 
that enters down into the very heart of man and Satan taking possession. I told you also last week of a conference in South Africa where the Holy Ghost is not wanted, it's rejected. And they're desperately trying to help the youth, but they don't want the Holy Ghost, which is our only cure for sin. There's nothing else that will cure sin except the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And these demons, of course, will strip you from your power to, to be able to resist them or to cast them out. And, 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 of course, you must be under the blood. I have this illustration up today again of, of the three stripes of blood, which I have taken to parallel the body, the spirit realm, and the soul realm the three entrances into man. But I want you, as we're thinking of all of this, you know, it's more than just getting the blood on your flesh and you quit um, quit doing things the Bible said not do. You quit cutting your hair, painting your face, smoking, drinking, whatever. It's more than getting it in the spirit realm and having your memory and your senses purge it. Purge. But it, it must bring you into an intimate fellowship where that you're eating the lamb and the unleavened bread. Amen. Now, I, I, I want you to get a thought of this because a lot of times people think of the Holy Ghost as only the initial experience. But I want you to understand the true token when it's really there, it brings you into a communion and a fellowship with Christ. Amen. It's more than just a time at the altar that you spent 50 years ago, 25 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, three months ago, or whenever it was, more than that, it's got to be that intimate and fresh, up-to-date experience where you are eating on the lamb and eating of the unleavened bread. This is very, very important. You know, this is a, an hour of soberness. This is where that we must be very, very serious if there was ever a time to be sincere and transparent, it is right now. Where there's no play in church, but there is a real seriousness, a serious business about serving God and doing it with all your heart, with all of your might. Amen. It's a time that we lay aside our foolishness and, and uh, frivolousness and, and, and just being flippant toward Christ and and become a, a dedicated people because we're in an exodus hour. This is rapture time. Amen. And uh, so there, there was a soberness here at this moment. But um, I want to just, uh, just say that there was also a great joy that was in every heart as they began to think, this is our last day of slavery. Amen. I, I, can, I can imagine and just let me just take you into a couple of scenarios and I'm not the best at doing this. I, I think Brother Craig is a master at demonstrating some of this, but I can just kind of illustrate it for a moment. Because Daddy, you know, Daddy, that, that slave master, you know, he was the, the firstborn. You know, here, here's the family talking to Daddy and said, Daddy, you know that slave master? He was a firstborn. Tonight, he will be dead. Amen. He will never, ever, ever threaten your life again. His whip will lay silent. Never will that hand ever 
ever pick it up again, he will die tonight. I can imagine, brother, there was some joy as they began to think about their liberation. And, yeah, you know, as they, the family began to talk to one another, they had the lamb and had provided the blood and, and put it together, and they're preparing the meal now, and they're roasting the lamb with fire, and they're preparing the unleavened bread. And, and as everybody is busy and getting their, getting their traveling clothes on, have you got your traveling clothes on? Are you ready to go? It's the staff in your hand. It's your shoes on your feet. It's your cloak on your back. It's a rapture hour. It's an exodus hour. Are you ready? Amen. Because this is a late hour and a very serious time. Amen. This preparation hour. But, you know, I imagine the family talking, you know, as they, as they talked about it, said, Dad, do you remember Pharaoh's head taskmaster? His name is Sin. He made you smoke and drink and abuse you with drugs. You used to stay up all night because of your taskmaster, addicted to porn and, and video games and all kinds of things. And, and the chief slave master with his whip, he fed you that stuff. You know that, that stuff called anime, that Japanese video games that you fed on violence and pornography and, you know, sin made you lazy and stole your time and robbed us of being a family and made us dysfunctional. He's going to die tonight. Amen. Tomorrow as we leave, Egypt is going to be busy burying their dead. It's celebration hour. It's Passover joy. Amen. We're getting ready to leave here. Our enemy is not going to defeat us. We're going to defeat every enemy and ride out of here triumphant, a triumphant church. Hallelujah. Amen. That chief slave master with his whip is going to die. The night of this Passover, Father is taking the slain lamb into his house. I hope you have. The crucified Christ. I hope you brought him into your house. Not just into the church and not in just your house, but also in this house. Amen. And the blood has been applied to the doorposts and the lintel. Mama says, Dad, that's an awful big lamb you got there. Moses said, enough for a house, and you got more than enough for this house. We look, look, look around and count us all who's here. And Daddy said, Mama, you're forgetting something. We ain't leaving anybody behind. Amen. I'm still believing that somehow our children are coming in. Amen. You know, you know that with Israel being a people in slavery, every pretty girl would be taken at will and forced to be a sex slave, taken out of the home of her parents. And I can hear in a moment there's a knock coming on the door. It's not the death angel. Who is it? Better let whoever it is in the house real quick. Nobody should be out there on a night like this. Oh, who is it? Oh, oh, I, I see who it is. It's sis. Amen. It's sis. And, and sis comes running the house and said, Daddy, slave master sin. You remember that night he drugged me out of the house? 
and you and mama were screaming and crying, oh God, oh God, oh God, deliver my daughter. And he drug me out and made me his slave. You remember that night? Oh, yes, we remember. Well, I've been sneaking around online. I've been listening to that evening light. And I heard that God is visiting his people. Hallelujah. I've heard that cancers are leaving and brain beads are healed and the glory is returning and barren women are receiving life. And I slipped away tonight because I hear God is delivering his people. And I want to go in this exodus. I don't want to be left behind. Why, sis, why you got that Egyptian pain on your eyes? You're not an Egyptian. Yeah, sin did that to me. Sis, why do you got those Egyptian clothes on? Why, you look like a whore, like a sex slave. Yeah, sin made a whore out of me, and I sold my virtue. But you know what, Daddy? Give me a rag. I just walk behind that blood, and this pain is coming off. Give me back my Hebrew garments. I'm not a sex slave to sin anymore. Sin will die tonight. sound through this church or sound of freedom that said tonight sin will die. Daddy looks over at mama and said, Mama, I told you I wasn't making too much lamb. There's going to be enough for sis, too. I'm telling you, there's enough lamb for every backslider. Amen. Every slave to sin that has been there that's being set free, there's enough lamb for the whole house. There's enough lamb for your children. There's enough lamb for your loved ones. For your brother, your sister, your children, your family, your grandfather, everybody, there we're all going. We ain't leaving a hook behind. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. I hear a little Passover joy going on right here this morning. A little Passover joy. Somebody begin to realize there's enough lamb. Daddy said, I told you, Mama, I wasn't making too much lamb. Here comes another knock on the door. Watch out now. It might be the death angel. No, I don't think so. He won't come around this blood. I don't think it's the death angel. He won't come around this blood. Are you with me? Amen. It's not the death angel. Who is it? Better let whoever he is in the house. Nobody should be outside of the token on a night like this. Isn't it true? Nobody should be outside of the token on a night like this. They better get behind the blood. Every church better get behind the blood or you're going to be dead in the morning. There won't be no rapture for you. Well, who is it? 
Then ain't the death angel. It's our son. It's our son, the taskmaster, drug out of the house. Come on in, son. Say, our death is striking. You're only safe under the token of this blood. Yeah, daddy, I heard. News came to me from the message hub. And I heard that the prophet said, we're leaving in the morning. And I just couldn't stay here in Egypt. And I snuck out of Sin's house where he had shacked me up with a pagan girl. And I want you to know I got away because I heard God's delivering his people. Well, son, you can't stay here with those cigarettes. You can't stay in here. There ain't no leaven allowed. I know, Daddy, but when I came under the token of the blood, they left. Drugs is gone, Daddy. Pornography is gone. Amen. Those filthy movies I was looking at are all gone because when I walked behind the blood, something took it all away. Hallelujah. Come on, son. It's a cold night. Warm yourself by the fire. We're having lamb for supper and unleavened bread. Hallelujah. We're having a celebration meal. And I want you to know this message is a celebration meal. Amen. It's the lamb, and we're going to leave here on the strength of that lamb. We're not staying here to die with the rest of them. Amen. There must be a fire in every dwelling. There must be a fire in every house where the lamb is roasted with fire. Now, this morning, I purposely brought your attention to this and brought a climax to this service. And I don't mean it to be an anticlimactic, but I want to go into some very, very serious things as we look at that at this Passover joy. You got a little idea of what it's about. It's a celebration. I want to get it back to you again. This message is not a cold creed. It's a celebration. This message is not something that's a dry-eyed confession. It's a celebration. This message is a moving of the Holy Ghost, not a dying church. A dead church, you can't even pry an amen out of them. Amen. As I come to church today, you know, I, I love the song, The Old Rugged Cross. It's a great song. But I turned it on, and some of them guys were singing it like funeral music. And I said, you know what? I punched the button. I, I told my wife, I ain't listening to funeral movement music. I'm listening to something, and I ain't going to hear something that is, that is for funerals, made for, you know, that's appropriate for funerals. I want, I want to have a celebration. I ain't in the mood for a funeral, except I'd like to preach a funeral to the world. Amen. I'd like to preach a funeral to sin. Amen. But I'm not, a, I'm not about to preach a funeral to this church. It's a celebration hour. We got preachers preaching funeral sermons. And there ain't no amens and no hallelujahs and no joy and no happiness. Amen. No celebration going on. I'd say it's time you leave that thing behind and find some place that's real. Amen. 
And Brother Branham, in one of his last sermon, he preaches, he's in Shreveport, just a less than a month before he's taken home. And he relates to the people that are beyond the curtain of time. He talks about those where he'll just in a few days enter into that realm himself, just less than a month away. And he talks about that realm where it's nothing there but perfect love. And he said, this is, they told him, this is what you preach. That's the Holy Ghost. So that realm is the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we're just, this what we feel this morning is just a little shadow of the shadow of the shadow of what's coming from there. Amen. Now, and then he speaks very prophetic, very prophetically because I say this because he wasn't even speaking for that time. I feel like he's speaking for this hour right now. Haven't you found it so that so many things that you hear him say, it don't seem like it was 50 years ago, it's for right now. Amen. And God's only provided place of worship. He said, I believe the church is beginning to hear the message and beginning to understand it. But listen, friends, we got to lay in the presence of the sun. We got to be ripened. Our faith isn't right. Intellectually, we're hearing the message. I want you to watch these key words. Intellectually, we're hearing it. And he says, he says, we're hearing it, but it's intellectually. And he says, we, he, our faith isn't right. Intellectually, we're hearing the message that he gave us, seeing the signs that he showed us, proving it by the Bible, it's there. But all oh, how the church needs to lay in his presence till it tenders up. You know, get sweet in the spirit so it can just bathe down. I wonder if, if that isn't something like about getting sweet in the spirit, about like getting more sincere. Some, uh, sometimes speaking the message, you get harsh. You have to break it in like that because you have to clinch a nail to make it whole. But when the church once gets it, the elect is called out and separated then in the presence of God. I know it'll be like the people was there. He's referring to beyond the curtain when it takes the rapture. Whoa. This assembly here of in this communion and this fellowship and this sweetness and this presence and the, 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 the awesomeness of God of what he's about to do in rapturing a church, bringing a sweetness and a mellowness and a love and an affection to a people. Something like they were there when we take the rapture. Now, I want you to look at that and just say, how short am I of that this morning? I better get another bite of this lamb. I better take some more unleavened bread, and I better put some of the leaven out of my life because it requires a greater seriousness and a greater sincerity than ever. Once the church gets it, she'll be in the presence of God, something like the people were there when it takes a rapture. And I think of that, sin won't be allowed to stay. When you think about like the people were there, sin couldn't enter in there. Unkindness couldn't enter in there. Come on. 
she couldn't walk, enter in there. High-mindedness couldn't go in there. Are you with me? Pride cannot go in there. And we've got to have that same atmosphere in our souls, within our realm of our being, the same as it is with them over there. In other words, these two dimensions, us in this dimension, have to match what's coming from that dimension. Twice in that year, in the last year, Brother Brandon would mention Ananias and Sapphira. You remember Ananias and Sapphira with some people that was not forthcoming and they were insincere and, and they, they, they had ulterior motives and they kept back some things. You know, it wouldn't have been wrong for them to say, I sold this, we kept so much for our home. But they, they, they made like. And Brother Brandon would say, you know, he said, we're missing the power that we ought to have. We're, the big machine ought to be running up and great signs and wonders. Well, this building ought to be sitting so full of the power of God till a sinner couldn't stay in here. The Holy Spirit could dimmen it right quickly like that, like Ananias and Sapphira, and we're missing something. I thought about it, you know, many years ago now, when I followed a lot of the thing, the, the, the messages that he preached in just sequence, just in chronological order, and I come to the last sermon, which was communion. By the way, I think it's significant. That was also the first sermon printed. And in the sermon communion, he said, you know, the hour will, will arise when right among us the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias and Sapphira. You just remember, see, that hour is arriving. Now, you just remember that God is going to dwell among his people. Amen. That's what he wants to do now. So I want you, I want you to get about this, get, get this thought in mind. And we're entering in a time where sin is not going to be allowed to stay in the body. Amen. People's going to have to be brought to repentance and just not go frivolous about Christianity, but be some real, sincere, genuine people that's got a heartfelt religion, that's honest in their business dealings, that's honest in every part of their life. Are you with me? Amen. It's going to require it. Remember, he said, God's going to dwell among his people. And he says, I believe the Holy Spirit, will, the hour will arise when the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias and Sapphira. Now, these would be the last, one of the last things that he would say to the church before God would call him home and he would go beyond that curtain of time. And I'm just saying, I believe we're arriving. Amen. As I've just watched it here in the last even few weeks, you know, where, where you, you preach, and you can preach things as hard as you can preach, and you can tell people what is wrong and what is sin, and, and, and you know, but the thing about it is ministry cannot legislate righteousness. And you can never, you can never do by preaching what the work of the Holy Spirit will do in a heart. Amen. And when, when you see that sins have been called out and exposed, somebody with me, and things have been cleaned up, 
Well, here the, here the other day, we had, we had a whole burning of all kinds of Game Boys and games and all kinds of stuff, you know, that, that people were wasting their time, wasting their lives on. You know why? Because it was wanting another greater sincerity. Because you have to have that sincerity to have Satan bound. If you want to escape the death angel, it's time to put away some of the things, some of the leaven that's in your midst. Leaven represents sin. Amen. But remember, God is going to dwell among his people. He wants to do that now. Oh, church, what a church we will be when sin is no longer legislated. No longer is legislated out by the preacher, but sin can't stay because the Holy Spirit deals with the heart and exposes it. Amen. I believe Ananias and Sapphira can be without us having to pack them out dead. I believe the Holy Spirit can, can, can uh, discern the wrong and, and, and bring conviction in the heart and instead of packing them out dead, bring them to life. Don't you believe that? Amen. That's what I want to see. I'm not wanting to see an Ananias and Sapphira dead. I'm wanting to see an Ananias and Sapphira exposed, made right, cleansed, set on fire for God. Become transparent, sincere, dedicated, no lukewarmness no more. A church is on fire for God, sold out to God, in love with Jesus Christ, that is here to worship, not to play church. Can you imagine the night of the Passover, tasting the sweetness of the lamb and the unleavened bread? That awesome presence of God in every dwelling. No longer hearing the message intellectually like we've done for the past 50 years and getting just an understanding, but changing us, maturing us, and ripening our faith. There's a lot of difference between understanding something Getting a conception, a, a perception of it, or understanding, uh, I, I, I finally got that. But, brother, to, to, for it to change us, to mature us, and to ripen our faith. This hour, laying in the presence of the sun, is not drying out and dying, but it's maturing and ripening. Amen. The Holy, the Holy Ghost laying in the presence of the Son, the Holy Ghost, and it's just bathing down upon us, washing us. Not an intellectual understanding, not the imparting of knowledge, but bathing in His presence, a people full of the Holy Ghost. Now, as Brother Branham would preach the message token. He says, the highlight of my ministry. He said, all the sermons I preached have led up to this. He said, you know, he, he made it clear how important that it was that you must have the blood of Christ applied. The Holy Ghost must be there in every individual. This is not an option. In order to go into rapture, you've got to have a token. A sign, a, t a ticket, and that token sign is the Holy Ghost. Without it, you have a profession of faith. You have a claim on it, but you don't have a token in your hand. Now, at this case, at the first Passover, 
The blood was a token. Literally, it had to be applied because, because it was just chemistry was all they had because it was a lamb's blood, an animal, a lamb's blood. So the life was in the blood, and the life was going out. And so they would take the life of the lamb, and, and the blood would represent that. It would represent the life had been taken, and now the life was being applied. Can I bring it down again? Not just to the body realm, not just to the spirit realm, but right down into the very depths of the soul. Every entrance that man has has got to be covered by the blood. It's not enough to say, well, glory to God, the Holy Ghost came upon me. Oh, I felt it on my, my flesh, and I danced in the spirit, and I shouted, and I ran the aisles. It's not enough, right. though it's got to be there. And it ain't enough just to get it in your memory and your imagination, your conscience, your affection and reasoning, in your spirit realm. It's not enough. It's got to come down into the very soul. And it must anchor there and be a life changing experience that brings you into a union Amen. with Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we're speaking very, very seriously because I want this to grip your soul. We cannot be just another church that just plays around along with religion. We must be a consecrated blood-washed people. Amen. Now, and, of course, we know that it required uh, a coming of a perfect sacrifice. And, and to make a perfect one, the, the, whole, the, the judge, the God of heaven, became the sacrifice. He was a judge, jury, and attorney. He became the sacrifice. And then his life went out, and, and, and he says, I give unto them eternal life. And, of course, that eternal life comes from the word Zoe life, which means God's own life. I'll give them my own life. And that's God's desire for every person not to give you a new set of rules on how you dress and you don't do this and you don't do that or not just to cleanse your memory of things past and, and your affection just set on things above, but more than that, where that God's own life comes to dwell in that temple. Then the life that was in Christ is the Holy Ghost. It's not the third person. It's the same person in the form of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, the token upon your life, and your fare is paid, and you know you have been accepted. Your fare is paid. It shows the blood has been shed and applied for you. Now, of course... Every time we come to this, people are looking for certain evidences where that they can say, well, I, now I know, now, now I'm assured. But I want you to understand, it, it's not just one thing. If I could get it to you this morning, it's not just one experience. It's not just the initial experience down at the altar where you come to know Christ and you surrender your life. It's more than that. You say, but Brother Tim, I know I went more than that. I, I really received the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. If you did, it brings you into that communion, into that fellowship, into eating the lamb and the unleavened bread and put sin out of your life. Right. 
not a bunch of cliches and it's not a bunch of religious forms. Otherwise, we might as well be good Amish or Mennonites or this or that with different standards and different ways. Let me tell you, it's more than that. It's got to be his life. Amen. But rather, eating the unleavened bread. Listen, let me tell you something. There's got to be a fire in there. Because you're going to be roasting the lamb with fire. Amen. And ever dwelling, there's got to be a fire. Amen. The lamb's got to be cooked. It can't be, can't be eating raw or sodden with water. It's got to, it can't be flavored with creeds and ideals of man. And it's the whole lamb. And it must be all served. The sweet parts, the good parts, and whatever you think is not the most desirable parts. You've got to heat the whole word. There's none of it you can leave out. Amen. A fire roasted the lamb, bitter herbs. Amen. Remembering, remembering, bringing to your remembrance the bitterness of sin. I don't ever want to go back to that again. Amen. Remembering the bitterness of your slavery. I'll never be a slave again. So help me, God. We're going out in an exodus in the morning. Staff in the hand. Shoes on the feet, your loins girded. Yeah. Amen. You know what that means? Is they would wear the robe there and they would have a belt above it. They'd pick up the tail of their garment, stuff it down into their belt so there would be no hindrance in their walk. Yeah. Right. Amen. Ready to go. A heart. There must be, can I say this to you? There must be a heart that has already left Egypt, Amen. that is already in the promised land. And that's what's got to be in the church. They've got to have a heart that has already left Egypt. And their heart is already in a rapture. Don't leave me, God. Whatever you do, don't leave me. I'm going. I lay aside everything. My heart is already there. My heart ain't in this world. My heart is on leaving here. That's what it's got to be. But that Brother Branham would say, he said, and today we base our soul almost upon somebody who can preach like a fireball or somebody who can lay hands on the sick and then get well. That don't mean anything yet. Upon somebody who dances in the spirit or shouts the victory, that don't mean anything yet, not a thing. Upon emotions, you can't rely upon that. Although that's all right. That goes with it. You know, this, this is where we can't seem to find a balance anymore today. You know, we, we, we want to say, well, it ain't emotion. All right, we won't have emotion. That ain't it. Right. Amen. Well, it ain't sensation. We're not going to have any feelings around here. That ain't it. Right. Amen. Those things are all right. It goes with it. Right. But a feeling or emotion isn't it. Right. Amen. He is a person. Right. And it must be real. Not an imaginary lamb, but a real lamb, the real Christ, the real person of Christ in you. Now, after preaching the token sermon, Brother Branham said, now, not just no certain evidence, you see, you say, Brother Branham, I feel it in your mind, you see, how will I know, how will I know? And that's what people, well, how, how? 
how do I know? I, I, if I do this, I got it. And surely I got it when I dance or when I shout or when I didn't have a dried confession or, or when I said I believed the message or when I accepted Christ as Savior. I, I, I know I got it. I know I got it. I, I, I'm looking for a sign. The sign you're looking for is that you're in the Passover. The blood's applied. The leaven is gone. The unleavened bread has been eaten. The whole lamb is being served. And there's a fire in there. Hallelujah. And along with it is some joy knowing that we're not staying here, but we're about to leave here. We're about to rapture out of here. People want it to be one thing. It's kind of like speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It's a gift of the Spirit. Amen. It comes with, with a shoe. It's not the shoe. It just comes with a shoe. The Holy Spirit does those things. It's one of the things it does. But if you've entered into relationship with Christ and behind the blood, you, you have the lamb, an unblemished lamb. You have the blood applied, body, spirit, and soul. You enter into communion and fellowship with him. And you have the fire roasting the lamb. Uh, come on, somebody. Amen. You have the unleavened bread, and leaven ain't allowed in your house anymore. Amen. So now... Tongues is a gift of the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Ghost. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. So obviously everybody doesn't have the gift. Somebody help me preach. Amen. Amen. Everybody, Paul said, do all speak with tongues? Do all prophesy? Come on. Not everybody does that. Amen. But everybody must receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. In some some instances in the Bible, they, they spoke in other languages. Other times they spoke in other languages and prophesied. You see, you see again, but every one of them, what they did, they glorified God in whatever language that they spoke in. Whether it was Cretes or Arabian or whatever else, their lives glorified God. And that's what we're looking for in, the li- in our life is a life that glorifies Jesus Christ. Now, so as we think of this today, we know Satan can impersonate any gift there is. He can impersonate tongues, and he does. He can impersonate, you know, prophecies, and he does. He can prophesy, he can, he can, he can even impersonate, the, be an impersonator, and there be divine healing. I, I know there's been a many person healed by a drunk man's prayer. That's right. Amen. Evangelist that wasn't living right, and yet God honored faith. Remember, he'll pour out his spirit on the just and the unjust. So it's no sign that you're going in just because we lay a hand on the sick and they recover. But that is part of the gospel. We don't quit laying hands on the sick because somebody used it wrong. We still believe in divine healing. Somebody with me now. Amen. And the church... Oh, the, you see, here, here he is. Now, as we're seeing, um, he says uh, that, he said, and the seventh seals being opened was 
to pick up every straggle that's been left off and make the whole thing in one big body of the bride. And that's where we're back to, the whole lamb. As I, as I demonstrated for you the other day, the, the skin has been taken off of the lamb. But everything else is there. From the head to the tail, it's all on the fire. You read the Bible. Do it with the innards thereof. Everything, the whole lamb must be served. And we cannot just have a part of the word today. We must have the whole word. Every part of it from Genesis to Revelation. From the head to the tail to the beginning to the end. Amen. We've got to take it all. Every part of God's word. Somebody with me now. <coughs> now, with the death angels approaching, we need to be in desperation. That the barrenness that has plagued the church. You say, barrenness, what are you talking about? Well, this church is like Israel was at the first coming of Christ. Israel had been looking for 2,000 years almost for, for the Messiah to come. And now we're at a time we're looking for him to come back. And the church has been barren, a barren woman. Somebody help me preach. Been a barren woman for 2,000 years and every age has hoped to bring that promised son. Amen. For there to be a rapture, there to be the coming of the Lord. But I'll tell you, friends, we're, we're, we're here at, at a moment and a time where the barrenness is about to give, uh, give over to the birth of a promised son. Amen. Amen. That Jesus is coming back to earth again. Amen. You can only spiritualize that coming so much. And I believe there are spiritual aspects to it, but you can only, you can only spiritualize it, if I could call it a better word, mentalize it so much. But it's got to be more than a mentalized coming of Christ. It must be the literal coming of Jesus Christ where we meet him in the air. For that's what believers believe. Amen. You remember Hannah in the Bible, she wasn't a selfish girl. She, you know, God heard her and answered her prayer, gave her son. She gave him back to God. Because she was willing not to be selfish after God answered her prayer and God gave her a prophet. That was a little extra blessing. Amen. God's just so full of extra blessings. Amen. Little extra things that he gives. You know, not only gave her a son, he gave her a prophet. There was no open vision for many in Israel in that time. Samuel, the first prophet for many, many years, because a mother got desperate. And she could have no children, and she was past the age of barren. Hey, maybe she, maybe she was be like 60, 70 years old. We don't know how old she was, but she got desperate. I'm running out of time. I'm out of time, but I must have this child. No doubt God spoke to her. I believe God spoke to us. We're not some 60, 70-year-old woman. We're a 2,000-year-old church. Been looking for him to come back a long time. Right. Are you with me? Amen. But, uh, but there ought to be something that goes on the inside of us. A cry in our heart. Even so, come. Lord Jesus, come. I see the death 
angel coming. I see sin abounding. I see wickedness getting worse and worse. But, oh, God, put a drive in my heart. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Whatever you do, don't leave me here. Amen. Amen. You can't be desperate until God speaks to you. And I believe God spoke to us. I believe God spoke to us in this day in a very, very emphatic way. Amen. Oh, church, he says, rise and shake yourself. Pinch your conscience. Wake yourself up in this hour. We must be desperate or perish. There's coming something for something from the Lord. I know it is thus, saith the Lord. There's coming for something, and we better get desperate. It's between life and death. It'll pass through us, and we won't see it. But God's going to have somebody. And the way I look at it, it might as well be me. How do you look at it this morning? Amen. God's going to have a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish. And I just say, well, it might as well be me. Amen. Here I am, Lord. That's what I want to be. Whatever ain't like you in my life, I want to change now. Amen. Because I want to match that word and that promise. Are you with me? This is the evening time of the age that we live in. It's the evening time of the church. Even now, I come into my evening time. You know, every time I look at somebody my age, and I'll be 65 this year, they made me sign up for Medicare. Can you believe that? Somebody as young as me (laughs) needs Medicare. And they made me sign up or we'll penalize you. I don't need Medicare. I'm not that old. I look at my classmates that go to school with, and I say, them old people. Surely I don't look like that. But you know, again, again, it's evening time. Hey, you know, the sun is starting to set. Don't count me out yet. Amen. Last, last week I showed you it's still in the old boy. He can still do a marathon if he needs to. Amen. But let me tell you something. This is a time the token must be applied. Amen. If it's ever going to be done, it has to be done now because we see that the wrath is about ready to strike the land and everything from under the token will perish. And the token is the blood. It's a showdown. But I want you to know we are leaving here with a high hand. Hallelujah. We're leaving here triumphant. Oh, I hear Brother Branham as he picked up his pen to write. He said, then in the latter rain there will come forth a Mount Carmel, a showdown Bible fulfilled to the letter. John the Baptist, his messenger before his face in Malachi 3, planted a former rain, was rejected by the churches, the denominations, the Pharisees, Sadducees in his day. Jesus came. He had a Mount Transfiguration showdown. This former runner of the last days will sow for the former rain. And Jesus, listen to this, Jesus will be the showdown between denominations and creeds, which is his word. And when he comes, a showdown, the rapture of his bride. Hallelujah. Don't you realize the first was Mount Carmel. The second, Mount Transfiguration. The third will be Mount Zion. Glory. How many is ready for a Mount Zion showdown? Amen. When Jesus will show up. Amen. The 
one we've looked for will show up. And he is the difference between you and just another church. Hallelujah. The difference between us and another church is the fire of God, the Holy Ghost, the power of Christ, the realization of the gospel, the whole lamb. That's a difference. Amen. But I'll tell you when he's going to prove the difference is when he shows up and takes a bride home. Amen. When all our enemies are dead and left behind us, a showdown. Jesus will be the showdown between creeds of man and the word of God. But of course, Pharaoh's got his spies out there. You know that. You know, he, he, he's always got those that are listening around the corner and spying in, you know. You know, I, I, I want to spy I want to spy in on, on why in the world are they making so much noise? How come they got so much joy in a, in a dark night like this? And Pharaoh's got his spies all around. I want to go to spy it out. Um, uh, let's, let's, let's watch, let's watch an evening light holy rollers today. Let's just see them run the aisles and shout. The glory of God come down and they have a little bit of joy because that God is working and moving among his people. Pharaoh's got his spies around. But I say, hey, Pharaoh, if you don't like that, what's this? You ain't seen nothing like we are full of joy and full of glory. Because it's going home time. It's going home time. And it ain't people just empty bubble dancing, but it's holy lives under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham said, in putting on the whole armor, he said, in Noah's time they had those great giants, and today they got great intellectual giants in the land too. That's right. I hate to say this. If there's one here, I hope... I hate to say this, I, if there's one here, I hope I don't hurt you, but it's Satan's spies again. What? Sure, intellectual giants come around to prove that all the shouting and saying amen and going to the altar and breaking up because of your sins, that's all just emotion. See, that's the scientific giant. That's the intellectual giant. There's no such a thing. Walk up dry-eyed and say, well, I'll just join this church. Well, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He says Satan does too. No sign that he's saved. It takes more than that. It takes a new birth. That's right. Amen. That's right. See the word. It takes a new birth. Not just saying that. It takes something that happens in here that makes you different. Hallelujah. Now, that's why it's got to be something more than just church attendance and saying, I believe the message, and your life is messed up in pornography, and you're, 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 you're pulled down and into anime and all these video games and you sex sins and, and defilement and all kinds of things that going on under the cover of the name of Christ. Got to be more than that. Amen. He's coming for a spotless church without spot or wrinkle, without a blemish. People that's on fire for God, people that are prayer warriors, 
People who will draw their sword against the enemy and say, we're not going to let the devil one more day have triumph over us. Today is the end. Today is the last day. This is the last day, slave master. You won't be my master from this day on. Amen. Remember, Christ and the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. The book of Revelation shows how the Antichrist spirit will come in the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. I want you to know the Antichrist ain't out here. The Antichrist comes right within the same movement. And it wants to make it lukewarm and formal and powerless. It exposes Satan, revealing his works, the attempted destruction of God's people, the discrediting of God's word, right down to the time he's cast in the lake of fire. Satan fights that. He cannot stand it. Satan knows that the people get the true revelation. Here it is, true revelation. Not just revelation, true revelation. Not just a, 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 an intellectual understanding, true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for and that she can do the greater works. She will be an invincible army. Is somebody with me? Amen. There was something happening in this Passover that when they left out of there, there was nothing that Pharaoh could do could stop them. They become an unstoppable army. Amen. And the Red Sea could not hem them in. God just made a way right through it and drowned all their enemies behind them. And I want you to know that the church of Jesus Christ is a triumphant church who knows her position, who knows who she is, who has met God themselves. Amen. And if they get the true revelation of the two spirits within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit, Satan will be powerless before her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe we're that church. I'm not just talking about evening like tabernacle. I'm talking about that bride from around the world. She's that church. A triumphant church. An undefeatable church. A people who know their God and can do exploits. They'll run through the troop of death and leap over the wall. Hallelujah. Jump between dimensions. From here into eternity. Hallelujah. Oh, and Brother Branham talks about this, and he cares. Do you care? He says, now th- there, uh, there is the two church, two churches. Both of them called the church. Yeah. One of them born at Nicaea, yeah. and the other was born at Pentecost. Right. Which one have you been born at? Right. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. And we come through the church ages to prove it, the ones against the other. One's a fine, dignified, intellectual church with fine scholars and so forth. And the other is class, a bunch of holy rollers. Oh, yeah, I'm reading from He Cares, Do You Care, uh, after the seals. The other is class, 
a bunch of holy rollers. I wonder when's the last time you've been classed as a holy roller? Amen. Oh, it was at the beginning, drunk, illiterate fishermen. Not drunk on wine, but new wine. And it's the same thing. It's still classified the same category. One of them is scientific. The other is spiritual. One is scientific arrangement. The other is spiritual discernment of the word. One is scientifically arranged with groups of men and intellectual bishop. The other is absolutely born of the spirit of God and lives by the spirit of God and performs and makes it come to pass the words that God promised. It shows what toxin you're taking. Have you, have you got educational toxin? Have you got the Holy Spirit toxin? Yeah. Brother Branham was talking up there about a vaccination, yeah. a cure for sin. Yeah. Amen. The educational toxin will inoculate you against the Holy Ghost. Educational. Oh, this, this educational. Oh, really? Oh, we're refined, you know, now, brother. We, we've got knowledge and we got our horn-rimmed glasses on and look over our nose and our books and we just stand, you know, we, we can't stand, we can't move more than a foot or two from the pulpit. And, and I tell you, you know, better than, but nobody say amen or no hallelujahs anymore. You've taken a toxin. It's a poison that has poisoned you against the Holy Ghost and has inoculated people around the message against the moving of the Spirit. Are you with me? Amen. But the Holy Spirit toxin will inoculate you against sin. It'll inoculate you against unbelief and the creeds of man. And it'll inoculate you against lukewarmness and complacency. It'll inoculate you Amen, and fill you full of joy. Do you believe it? Amen. Now, so you see, again, he would tell us in the third exodus, he said, now, remember, there's only two. Don't forget there. There's only two powers, and I want you to get it. They come even in the church in the same movement. Two powers. One's the spiritual power of the Holy Spirit. The other is the devil working through intellectual power. And that's where he entered in the Garden of Eden through intellectual powers to make Eve believe in intellectual conception against the Word, just as plain as it can be. Watch it all the way down. If you even go down to Jacob and Esau, he uses the same illustration. He said there were twins born in the same movement. And remember, in the same church, in the same movements can be uh, under the, hearing the same message. Can you hear me? One turns off intellectual, and the other gets born of the Spirit. Said so Esau represented the man of the earth. When them twins was born, Jacob and Esau, he was natural, religious inclined. But never able, it wasn't in him to do it. He couldn't do it. Never was in him to climb past the things of the world, the carnal things. Jacob, it was just so easy for him to do it. Amen. One purpose Jacob had. You remember Jacob's purpose? He longed for that birthright. You wonder what the birthright is? It's just the right birth. Amen. That's what the birthright is, just the right birth. And Jacob longed for the right birth. 
If I'd have been born right, if I could have been born first, I would get the blessing. And I want the blessing. But I was born a little late. But Jacob means the heel grabber. And he came out with his hand on his brother's heel. Amen. Now listen, he wasn't fully born, but when Jacob, when Esau come out, part of him was already out. So he was right on the, t- right on the heel of Esau, had a hold of him. He was called the heel grabber. This name stuck on him, and they turned it into a supplanter, and the devil would try to use it on him. You're nothing but a deceiver, boy. That's all, always a little late, but it didn't ever stop Jacob. I don't care how late I am. I don't care what I got to do. I just want the right birth. Let me be born again. Let me receive the inheritance. Whatever I got to do. You see, that spirit of that one birth is still represented in the world today. And it's coming to the head now, the spiritual believer and the carnal man, carnal believer. No one couldn't say they weren't both religious. They both are. Amen. They didn't say one served an idol, the other served God. They were both servants of God. Amen. But remember and look close to the scriptures. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter in, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Amen. That's a carnal believer today. Oh, as long as I just go to church, ain't that good enough? You know, what difference does it make? See, that's Esau's group. You know, he still makes fun and despises the birthright. He don't care for it. But Jacob loved it. And the spiritual man today and spiritual woman that's elected and predestinated of God to come to eternal life, if they got to sell everything they got, if they got to take their name off of every church book in the nation, they still want that birthright. It's the only thing that matters to them. Just get that birthright, that's all. No matter how and what level they have to come on, if they have to get down to the altar and cry, boo-hoo, if they have to run through the places and go back and make things right and sell and become a pilgrim and a stranger, it doesn't matter. They want the birthright. I see a lot of people come to the altar and they're thinking, they're praying, oh God, oh God, oh God. But what they're saying, oh God, about it is they're thinking, oh God, look what I got to give up. I got to give up this and I got to give up that and I got to give up my fun and I got to give up my parties and I got to give up my girlfriend or my boyfriend. I'm going to have to give up my paint. I'm going to have to give up my, my, my worldly clothes. I'm going to have to give up. I, I've got to give up. Poor me. And they're boohooing, all right? They're crying about what they're going to have to give up. But I tell you, if you can just stop for a minute, quit worrying about what you're giving up and thinking about what you're going to get. Because what you get is going to be greater than drugs and alcohol and parties and women and sex and violence and all the other things. Hey, man, what you're going to get is Jesus. Amen, and when he is a great pearl of great price, and you get a hold of him, brother, you get everything. You put everything good back in your life. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. It ain't what you're giving up. But now today men stand in the pulpit 
with such intellectual and speech-making and education till they can explain the power of the Holy Spirit away from the Bible, and they can explain divine healing away. They can explain speaking in tongues and interpretation. They can explain the baptism of the Holy Ghost to another day, and I'm still quoting. But man, but a man that's elected of God, my sheep, hear my voice. If you've got that election of God upon you, it'll never stumble you. Amen. Amen. Now, you say, but Brother Tim, we're predestinated to be there. And I do believe in predestination. Well, I'm a predestinated seed. I'm going to be there no matter what I do. Well, I don't believe in fatalism now. Now, you kind of jumped out of the scriptures as far as I'm concerned. Whatever's going to be, what it's going to be. So, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm going to turn out good anyhow because I'm predestinated. That ain't predestination. That is fatalism. Amen. Now, Moses was predestinated. I believe you're predestinated. You're chosen of God. And, you know, like I said, People think, well, all you need is to be predestinated. But let's, let's understand what you're predestinated to. What did God set your destiny to as a seed of his that he knew before the foundational world you have a destiny? And the Bible said that he has predestinated you to adoption. To the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So God has predestinated you to sonship. Amen. Amen. He has predestinated, he has determined your destiny, and your destiny is you're going to get quickened by the Holy Ghost. Because if you are seed of God, he's going to find you no matter where you're at. He'll go down to the deepest hell, into a brothel, into sin, into every kind of slavery, into every kind of drug and alcohol. But he's going to find his predestinated seed and he's going to quicken them with life of the power of the Holy Ghost and make a son or a daughter out of them. Amen. That's what the transforming power of Jesus Christ does to a predestinated seed. It's going to transform you. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. You are predestinated through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And furthermore, you're predestinated through your body change. Well, you'll be changed in a moment, a twinkle of an eye. But you see, Moses now was predestinated as a predestinated seed could be. And Moses, born with his great gift of faith, he was anointed and commissioned at the burning bush to deliver God's people. He had great qualities. He was born for a certain thing. You were born for a certain hour. You were born for this day. God chose you to be in this last day. Are you with me? God's got a purpose in it. He got a purpose of you being here this morning. Right in this service. Maybe a week ago you'd have never dreamed you'd have been here, but you're here today because God had a purpose of you being right here. Amen. See, you see, if you can only get to that place, how much you see, how much trouble you save God and yourselves. Amen. Just to find that purpose. Where am I supposed to be? Amen. Moses was born, and he was brought to place, and that seed was laying there 
with an intellectual conception. Now think of this. You see, an intellectual conception, and with all the faith, he was born to deliver the people. Yet it never came to life until that light from the burning bush flashed across it, until he seen not something he read about, but something he seen with his eyes, something he experienced. Something that spoke to him, and he spoke back to it. Oh, how did that bring things to life? And he says, and I think in an intellectual conception of what they think the word is and so forth, never can have a full foundation stand until they've met that light that brings that word to reality. Amen. I think no church, listen to him, no church in its practice no matter how intellectual and fundamental it might be, that church cannot thrive until the supernatural is made known amongst that people. And they see something that they can talk to and, and that will talk back to them and vindicate this written word. Are you with me? Amen. Now, Moses, you know, he had this intellectual conception. His mama told him, listen, boy, you were born a special boy. You were born to bring a message of deliverance. You were born drawn out of the waters. Your name is Moses. You, been, you, know, you, you know, his mama, his real mama taken him, raised him there as a young boy, tried to put everything she could in him. Amen. Tried to teach him. Now, listen, you're a Hebrew. Don't ever forget. One day you're going to be a king. Maybe you'll deliver your people. I don't know how God's going to do it, but he'll use you, Moses. You're a special boy. I put you there. We prayed over you. We prayed over your little ark. And we know the angels of God watched your ark as it went down the Nile. And every crocodile, it would push away. And, 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 and here, here again, again, you come right up to the prince's house. And she took you and she raised you as her, as her own son. And one day, no doubt, you'll be Pharaoh. But don't ever forget, you're really a Hebrew. Don't ever forget. Your parents are slaves. Don't ever forget you were born to be a deliverer. You know, the church knows they're here for deliverance. But you know, with an intellectual conception, all that Moses did was kill one dead Egyptian or one Egyptian dead. Right? That's the only one. Just one. He didn't deliver the people. With all the knowledge his mama taught him, all of the education and do the message. And you're special born. You're predestinated. Oh, you're called. Oh, son, when the seals were taken off of your, of your ark and, and they saw you, oh, son, don't you realize you're a special boy. You're a special boy. But all of that intellectual knowledge didn't do one thing to deliver Israel. And I tell you, all the intellectual knowledge in the world won't do. Maybe it'll make a man live true to his wife and a good person or this or that. Or maybe it'll do a bunch of promise keepers. You know, well, we'll, we'll make a vow and we'll be true to our wives for, uh, you know, and, and it lasts a month or two. So you just kill an Egyptian. But it didn't deliver Israel. Amen. It didn't deliver them. But one day after he had forgot about his calling, 
he wanders out there into the backside of the desert. And there he meets God in a burning bush of fire. And there he received not an intellectual conception, but a personal experience where he met the pillar of fire. And this man that could not whip Egypt as being the next Pharaoh in line with all his training that he could not deliver Israel, that man walked out with a stick in his hand and said, i tell you what, I'm so full of faith now, I'll deliver my people with this stick. Devil, you're in trouble. Amen. And the devil's in trouble when our faith changes from intellectual faith to a mature faith. The devil's in trouble. Amen. This is what was going to bring about that deliverance because faith was moving. Amen. Oh, my. Moving from the realm of intellect to the realm of the soul into mature faith. Amen. You say, well, now, Brother Tim... You know, you look like to me you're kind of leaning toward a, 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 an emotional side. Well, I'll just tell you. I'll tell you, in our generation, we had two sides that Brother Branham always was having to deal with. He would, he would vacillate from one to the other, showing the errors of both sides. He would go right over here, and he said, look, Billy Graham is a great evangelist, got a million more than 44, but he's bringing them to an intellectual conception. And they don't have no power. And even Billy was said, you know, I'll have 40,000 converts in a few years. I'll come back and I can't find three or four of them. He said, what happened to him? When St. Paul got a convert, he said, it was, you know, they would have 10 or 12 or more. They'd go out and witness. There would be others that would come. What's the matter? He said, I, I tell you, it's you lazy preachers. You get these invitation cards, and, and I made a decision card, and you get it, and it's filled out, and I give them to you, and you sit there with your feet on the desk, and you don't go out and find them poor souls. And Brother Branham says, Billy Graham, that's pretty good, but I don't think the problem is just lazy preachers. I think the problem is you didn't take them far enough till you really got them baptized with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because if you did, they would still be here 15, 20 years later, still burning on fire. Amen. It wouldn't be some preacher that would have to come and drag them to church. It would be something, a Holy Ghost on the inside of them, motivating them. But when then we had the other side of the Pentecostals who wanted to make it all a motion and all a jump and a shout, and yet, and yet, Get focus on the jump and the shout and the emotion and think and call that the spirit instead of having real changed lives. Brother Brandon was asked himself, said here some time ago, I was talking to a fine doctor who belonged to the same church I belong to. And he said, Billy, you know what? I was at your meeting. He said, I appreciate all was done, but let me ask you something. Billy said, it isn't going to be long until you're going to be a holy roller. I hope it ain't going to be long until this church is a holy roller. I hope it ain't long until you're a holy roller. And he said, well, he said, what do you mean, doctor? He said, because them people are just emotional. I said, well, according to science, anything that hadn't got emotion is dead. Then if your religion hasn't got a little emotion about it, you better bury it. It's dead. Yeah. Now, Billy, he said, I want to ask you something. He, he's, and he said, 
Don't you know, those people just get excited. You go to preaching, and they get excited, and that's what makes them holler and amen and cry. He said, now, doctor, I want to ask you something. You know there can't be nothing excite them just sitting there normally. There has to be something excite that nerve. You can't be walking down the alley, and if you're not scared, you're not scared. If you get scared, something excites you. Certainly, certainly it is. And I said, sure, in one sense, they're excited, but what's the emotion excited about? I said, just like you're getting scared, something has to scare you, something has to excite those people. And what is it? It's the Holy Spirit near them taking the Word of God and giving them eternal life, and it's excitable. Amen. Amen. How many of you find it exciting? Well, not me, Brother Tim. I'll tell you what, you know, we got the seals open and the mysteries revealed. And I'll tell you, we're, we're, we got horn-rimmed theologians that is preaching in our pulpits and everything is dry and whatever. We just received the words, you know, real calm, cool, and collective. Well, that's a lot different than what Brother Branham taught. In the third and fourth seal, he said, that the, that the revelation of the word was like wine. And he said, when wine comes into you, it will make you behave unseemly. And you'll get all stimulated up. I wonder if a lot of this revelation isn't just carnal comparison and a lot of carnal impersonation of some intellectual conception. Because when a real revelation strikes your heart, you can't hardly contain yourself. Amen. There's one thing the Holy Spirit said. See that thou hurt not the oil and the wine. God wants a church with the Holy Ghost. He wants a full of the oil. He wants to burn with fire. He wants them drunk on new wine. He wants them stimulated by the revelation they get. And if your revelation ain't stimulating you, I'll tell you, you ain't got it. It's a false revelation. Well, the devil says, Hi, you're just a you're just a Pentecostal holy roller. Well, that's okay. Probably a good name to call me. William Branham identified himself as one. Amen. He preached a sermon called Why I Am a Holy Roller. I wonder when's the last time in a message church the preacher preached why I am a holy roller. I tell you, it's about that time we start returning back to Passover joy again, to joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. For people that are eating on the lamb and that is reviving them and they don't lose their enthusiasm and they don't lose their joy. Is somebody with me now? Amen. That ought to be here in our midst this morning of people on fire for God. Brother Brandon said, that's the thing that hurts me as an evangelist to see the church in a lukewarm condition. And I'll tell you, if that ain't ain't the condition, because they have spiritual amnesia and they forgot, they forgot their origin. And their origin and their birth was on the day of Pentecost. Are you with me? On the day of Pentecost, there was an original church that had its beginning as the law passed away and the church had its beginning, its birth, and by the power of the Spirit, the church was lifted up into eternity by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Can I tell you about Pentecost? It was a day of freedom. Amen. It was a day when the death angel passed over and man was freed from sin's bondage. Is somebody with me now? Amen. Brother Branham would tell you in the, in the future home, he said it was like an explosion. He said they exploded out of the upper room. Hallelujah. Full of the fire of God. The Holy Spirit moving on every one of them. Is somebody with me now? Amen. You're watching what I'm doing. I'm trying to watch your time, but now, now I'm in overtime. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You see, they saw tongues of fire come down upon them till, and, and quicken their body until they couldn't speak in an earthly language anymore. It quickened their body to a heavenly language, the place that they were going to. Amen. I wonder when's the last time you spoke the language of the place you're going to. Quickening power shook their mortal bodies until their entire mortal language was transfigured, transformed into an immortal language. What a quickening power. What something that belongs if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body. It shall quicken your mortal bodies. We are quickened then by the power of the living God. Tongues quickened to a new heavenly language to speak to them, a rapturing up. Did you hear what I said? A rapturing up. Amen. Oh, my, raising them up into a different atmosphere than what they had ever lived in. And with the new quickening power, the new quickening life to them, that come in them, it quickened their language. They spoke a new tongue. What happened? Fire broke out. Consumed sin. And there was an explosion of God's power. Amen. We preached about the eighth day last Sunday. Amen. Pentecost wasn't the eighth day, but it was like an eighth day. The earth will have where the earth is lifted up above sin and earthbound realms. Just as a holy fire will strike the earth, just and take Satan away and all his devils, both the heavens and earth will pass away, killing all germs and insects and all natural life. And all around it, even the H2O, the water will explode. Talk about a noise. And you know when a man receives the baptism of fire, there's a lot of noise around him. They think it's a shame to hear people scream and shout like that. But just wait until the earth receives her baptism. Amen. In other words, we ain't seen nothing yet but when the earth gets made new. And when your earth gets made new, when you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, Oh, the glories of God, the screams and shout, the hallelujahs roll. It ain't no dot-eyed confession. It ain't no intellectual conception. It's the power of God under salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. Let the musicians come. Let the musicians come. Amen. I want you just to think. I want you to think about this. Would you play that song, Sister Lori? He's coming soon. How many believes he's coming soon? Would you stand to your feet now? And when you stand to your feet, I can preach 30 more minutes. <laughs> right, Brother Jason? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, the other night, 
Brother Joe preached an awesome message on your Shamgar moment. You're in a Shamgar moment. Holy Spirit fell. We had young virgin girls shouting, rejoicing, running. You say, well, what do you think about that, Brother Tim? Wasn't you kind of embarrassed that everybody around the world is looking in on your service and seeing people behave like that? Well, let me read you from the message, Pardon. And for you intellectual theologians, this is in October after the seals were preached. I get among Christians sometimes who claim to be sainted men, women of God. They're ashamed of a testimony. They're ashamed to say amen. They're ashamed to sing the songs of Zion. They're ashamed everywhere. I like to get among a people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Though it seems like heresy, yet they're not ashamed. Something has happened, and it means more than life to them. It is life. It's life eternal because they've accepted God's substitute. I like this kind of singing. When I was back there praying for some people, a few moments ago, they'd just been brought in. This not being a prayer service, just to speak, I was in there. I could hear the songs and the clapping of the hands. Some of them, I even seen them run up and down the floor, what they call dancing in the spirit. <laughs> Must kind of look like some of our young ladies were doing on Wednesday night. At first time, I was a critic of that when I first saw the Pentecostal people dancing in the spirit. And I thought, what is this? It must be a bunch of nonsense. But then I got to reading the Bible. I wish some of these message preachers would read their Bible. And I found out that when, that when dancing in the spirit, the devil copied it and put them out here with a rock and roll stuff. But the real genuine dance come from God. That's exactly. And always a dance was victory. When David slew Goliath and that little ruddy-looking boy come dragging the head of this giant into the city, the people met him dancing. They had victory. You remember when you slew the giant in your life? Hallelujah. You remember the testimony of that when you come dragging that giant's head through the church? Glorified God that he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. That God was visiting his people and wasn't no uncircumcised Philistine going to be able to bind the, the, and chase the armies of the living God and defy him. He says, they had victory. When Moses crossed the Red Sea by the power of God and took the children of Israel on the other side, Miriam picked up a tambourine and all the daughters of Israel up and down the bank they went beating the tambourine and dancing in the spirit. If that ain't an old-fashioned Pentecostal meeting, I ain't never seen one in my life. The trouble of it was me. I didn't have enough victory. But when you finally get that victory in the token of the blood of Jesus, Christ comes on you. When you get that victory and the Holy Ghost, the token of the blood comes down upon you. I remember David in the Bible, the psalmist of the Bible, when he'd done something, 
this great thing he was given Saul's daughter. I, by the way, you know what he was doing? The Ark of the Covenant had been taken by the enemy. And you know, David heard it had been moved into man's house and he's getting a lot of blessing from it. And he said, I want that blessing back in the church. And we're going to move it back to the tabernacle. We're going to bring the word back in the church. And when David saw the word returning, he began to dance in the spirit. And around and around and around he went, why? He saw the word returning. Amen. How many of you today, you say, we see the word returning. Amen. Then it ought to make you rejoice on the inside of your heart. I see the word coming materialized. I see God moving in his people. The ark had been away from God a long time. The visible presence of God, the pillar of fire hanging over this ark. Philistines had come and took it. David ran out before the ark and danced before the Lord, singing the praises of God. And Saul's daughter seemed to be very much embarrassed at that man's action. You know, she was Saul, the king's daughter. Her husband, her young, handsome husband, had cut up and misbehaved himself in the presence of all the people, the king's daughter. David said, well, if you don't like that, then watch this. And around and around and around and around and around he went. She was embarrassed. And God cursed that woman with a curse. And barrenness was her curse. Now, if you want to be barren, then just go ahead and scoff and make fun. But I tell you, we got victory through the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, there's some Passover joy. Amen. When we realize loved ones are coming back home. Amen. When we're hearing the knock on the door and we're hearing and we hear the sound. Amen. It's not the dead angel. It's our children coming back into the ark. It's people coming under the blood. Hallelujah. It's the people that said, we're leaving here. We got every reason to be happy. We got every reason to have joy. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. If you know anything about the message, Pentecost was your pattern. Amen. Why don't you get that back to the pattern? Amen. Of the Holy Ghost. Well, Brother Tim, I got the Holy Ghost and didn't know it. You didn't get the Holy Ghost. You can't get the Holy Ghost and not know it. When it comes on the inside of you, it's deity. It's a fire. It burns out sin and darkness and unbelief. Well, Brother Tim, what we've got is without sensation. Well, I got it. We didn't go to get a certain sensation, but it's the person of Jesus Christ in you doing the same works that he did, bringing your life subject to the Word of God. That's what it is. It's not an emotion. It isn't jumping up and down and running the aisles. It's Jesus Christ coming in a personal experience in your life. And with it, comes all the joy, all the joy. I believe he's coming soon, don't you? I believe we're moving from barrenness into a woman that's under expectation. Hallelujah, I'm getting pregnant. I see a church getting pregnant with life. 
Amen. Life in the body is a sign, is a vindication. The rapture's at hand. And I believe we're seeing life in the body. Don't you? Amen. Let's worship him with all our heart. In these, the closing day of time. scripture back to you one more time before that I close my part of the service. Numbers 33, 30. And they departed from Ramesses in the first month on the 15th day of the first month. On the morrow after the Passover, the children of Israel went out with a high hand triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. I can't wait till we make the devil squeal. Amen. We're here right now in the last night. The last night. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them upon their gods and also also the Lord executed judgments, leaving the gods of the world dead. Give me that last verse of that song. I want you to think of it. When they went out triumphant, they said, you're forgetting something. 
Remember, Joseph made us give him a promise. Take my bones with me. Amen. When you leave from here, take my bones. So they got the dead going with the living to go in their exodus. And I tell you, you might just think they're a bunch of bones, but these bones are going to live again. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we shall be changed. We aren't leaving a hook behind. Even the dead in Christ come to join us, and we leave together. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, dry bones, hear ye the word of the Lord. These bones shall live, saith God. The loved ones we have put down in the grave shall live. They shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of eyes. Amen. Amen. Just any moment now. Just any moment now. This could be the day. This could be the morning. When those young men and women from that other dimension walks in this building or wherever we're at today or tomorrow as we go to work, sit on the, on the seat of the car beside us and you're changed in a moment. This is not a fiction story. It's laid out in the very types of the Bible. And you talk about a rapture joy. You talk about a Passover joy. When we see them, oh, I was recounting my wife yesterday. I saw my mother. She was 94 when she passed away. And I looked at her young skin, so beautiful. I, I didn't even recognize her. I said, who is that? I, that looks like my mother. That looks like her. That, that looks like her. Uh, and I looked around for somebody, Brother Ron, I saw him. I said, Brother Ron, that, that woman, that woman looks just like my mother. She said, it's me, brother. It's me, Tim. And I've just come to tell you, you're well thought of over here. I'll tell you, church, they're waiting on you. And they think real well of you. There's a people that's alive and remain at the coming of the Lord. Amen. Who will gather together with them and be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we 